0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish Oh yes, delivery again, head header Here's an opportunity, Sanchez Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta It's playing again And Dolberg. Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
1: Hello and welcome to Le Beaujau, the official league and podcast in English. Coming up, like Donna Summer, Donna Rummer is starting to feel the love of the PSG fans after a colossal display that earned a win at Nice. OM now can't even win away. Loss keep their focus as per usual. Lyon ruined Genesio's homecoming. And yes, Angers win. Yes, you heard it right. Angers win. All this and a baguette's worth of banter and more. Coming up on Le Beaujeu. Along for the ride today is my good self, Ian Holyman, Angus Therode and Andy Scott. Sorry to disappoint you, fellas. I am indeed the mystery presenter. There was going to be someone else, but just like an assistant referee in another league, I walked past them, elbowed them across the throat. And so here I am. Talking of elbowing their way into the top three with uh, some alacrity this season. A Frank Esses Lance at home on Friday to Strasbourg and a chance to move to within almost touching distance of Paris Saint-Germain at the top of the table.
2: Here come Lance, looking to add to that. Thomasson's cut back. Frankowski. Well, it's taken just ten minutes for the home side and Lance have the lead. It'll fall for Medina. Medina. Doubles, launches, leads. Sotikas ball. Headed away by Zucuri. What a finish by the central defender. He was outstanding last weekend. Medina celebrates. Ball wide now for Kevin Gamero. Can he work anything? Kevin Gamero, what an effort that is. Takes it well. It's an incredible solo goal from outside the box and Loss don't get that fourth consecutive clean sheet. Well, we said it probably would have to be something special to breach the back line and it's a bit of individual brilliance from Kevin Gamero.
1: So Loss getting the win, Frankowski and Medina, two defenders, although I suppose you could call Frankowski kind of a, an attacking defender as a, as a left wing back, but Lens moving then at, at that stage at the final whistle at the Stade Félix Bola Delélie to within three points of Paris Saint Germain. 63 points now from 30 games. That, believe it or not, is an all time club record for Lens. Now on a run of four wins, they seem to have gotten over that little bit of a wobble in, in four, Mangus, when they'd won uh, just four in, in 12. What's, what's gone right? Again for Francais, or have they just simply got back to that that formula that they had at the start of the season, which worked so well for them?
3: I think it's the second one. Uh, I think that um, they they've always been very consistent, really, when you consider the the budget they've got compared to a lot of others. Um, they they've just got a formula that works. They have stability. Um, they have defence that uh, really know what they're doing. And they've got their wing backs, even though they don't have Jonathan close anymore. That doesn't seem to have made much difference to the way they. Can uh, construct their game coming forward. Uh, Facundo Medina had a great game uh, at the weekend. He scored, obviously, which was the headline for it. But again, he was very solid in defense uh, once more. They have a really good defense with Kevin Danso and Grady, who are just consistent, always play, and they're just very, very solid. That three man back line really seems to work for them with the wing backs coming forward. And of course, pender has been great this season. Um didn't score this time around but nevertheless an all-round great performance from them and uh, the points they've scored now more points than they scored throughout the whole of last season and they've still got eight games to go so it really has been a building of momentum ever since they were um, promoted three seasons ago
1: Yeah, Adrian Thomason coming in to do the uh, to do the trick of haunting his old club by setting up uh, setting, setting up that first goal but Andy, my my concern now maybe getting a little head of, ahead of myself here for for lance is that they do look very much likely to qualify for the Champions League next season now you can't put really into into question the quality of the squad in terms of how they've played nobody really knows these guys for the, for the most part uh, I'm not even sure who the most famous player is brees samba possibly but the the question really would be who of these guys will still be at Launce? Because if if I am personally, if I am a scout, if, in, in yeah. certainly of the Premier League, I am I am taking Danso and Medina yeah. at the same time to the same club to play in a back three. And if he wasn't thirty years old, I'd be tempted to take Grady as well because the three of them, the three of them work so well that there's a pen, I mean, pender, Is he gonna? I, I imagine he might stay, but. I can certainly see people coming in and, and making some really big offers, which a club like Lance, even if they qualify for the Champions League, will not be able to refuse. Yeah, well, it's, it's the it's the issue with with any club, uh,
4: sort of unheralded club that does unexpectedly well. You know that they find it very hard to keep their best players. I mean, you're quite right that um, if you you know if we spoke to people in in the UK, for example, how many of the Lens players would they be able to name? Probably none. Um, but as you say, I think several of them will be will be moving abroad at the end of the season and possibly making names for themselves in in other leagues like the Premier League. And and Kevin Danz was a a very good example. I mean, loss of the best defence in the league uh, for all the reasons that that Angus uh, pointed to. They've actually got I think the worst attacking record of all the teams in the European places, um, which is which is which tells something of a story as well. They've got no one superstar in attack, but. Yeah, to, to sort of focus on 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 the point you're making, um, this yeah, this is what happens. You know, a club. I mean, if if you look around Europe this season, if you look at a number of um, different clubs, like Napoli would be the the, the perfect example because they're running away with the the title in Italy now. What's going to happen to Napoli is now they might win the Champions League this season, admittedly, but what's going to happen to them in the summer is well, they're probably going to lose Victor Ozyman, um, the best player potentially to Paris Saint Germain. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they came in for him, but otherwise a club in England and and several other players will go and they might find it difficult to maintain what they've done this season into next season, Kvart's as well. Um, And in the case of Lens, it's going to be the same. Now, obviously, as Angus said, they've been continually improving over the last three years since they've come up. So you would say, well, why can't they do it again? Well, one reason why they might well struggle to do it again is, again, something we've touched on before. They lost their sporting director to Nice earlier in the season. They've got a different recruitment team now. different recruitment team now in place. So can they repeat the magic of of recent years in the transfer market? And the question therefore becomes, I think it's an important thing actually with Lance because the difference between second and third is so crucial. Um, You know, if you finish second, that's you guaranteed a place in the group stage of the Champions League. If they get that, then they can go into June and July and they can say, this is what we need. This is what we're going to be doing. This is the budget we have. This is the money we can spend. And they can build a team that may well be able to compete in the Champions League. If they finish third, I suspect that might be beyond them. And there's this, this is almost kind of weird thing where if they finish second, wonderful. If they finish fourth, fantastic. If they finish third, maybe not so good. So um, but, but I think that's...
3: Well, we, sorry, Andy, we've seen what that's done to Monaco in the last couple of seasons, haven't we? And I mean, you would have thought that uh, with their squad, that they would have had everything they need to get into the Champions League, and yet they've fallen both sides. So Lons, with really not the same sort of resources at all are going to maybe yeah. struggle even more and have their pre-season ruined as well
4: i mean and that's is exactly and i think it's been a it's been a pivotal weekend because they ground out that victory on friday and then we'll talk about the other results later but other results went their way um we got a bit giddy on friday night i think suggesting that the title race was on and again i think we'll come back to that a bit later i'm not so sure about that but there's a big game coming next weekend um maybe they can win the league but I, I do sort of stand by this. I mean, finishing second would be huge to them, and I do think that finishing fourth would be huge to them as well. I just think that third would would put them in such a, a tricky situation. Um, a club of their comparatively modest means, as you say, you know, who will stay? And and I think that's that's going to be something to look at in the coming weeks. And and again, something we've talked last time I was on, we we discussed the 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 in for these teams. You know, say it again, loss of some really difficult games to play now they are brilliant at home i think i think they might have the best home record of of any club in any of the top five european leagues angus has given me the thumbs up there so uh, that's maybe something i've got right for once but um you know they've got this great home record but they have got some really difficult games still to come so you know let's see if they can if they can stay where they are it's still there's still a couple of months of the season left
3: yeah they've easily got the uh, the 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 top um home form this season by five points it's interesting actually that uh, Paris Saint Germain haven't got the best form either home or away at the moment. But I guess we can come back to that in a bit. I think what's
1: interesting about Lance as well is uh, we mentioned this before. It's a real team effort, and I think I think uh, Friday night's results showed that you've got you've got Frankowski scoring, you've got Medina scoring, and um, it, it's been a real feature of, of of them spreading not not only the goals around but the assists. Uh, the defensive work. I mean, it's a it's a real credit to Franckes, and I think perhaps the fact that they don't really have any standout stars uh, really suits that that ethos. I mean, that that obviously is the, is the idea. Let's get these guys in. They're going to play as a team, and they're really good footballers, and so therefore we're going to have a chance. I'm pretty sure that no one, no one thought that they were going to finish in the top three at Lance at the start of the season. No one. But they thought, well, we're pretty good. We might get in the top five. I think European football was was undoubtedly, well, undoubtedly a goal. Speaking of finishing in the top three, Strasbourg. Silence from Angus. Strasbourg um, in the bottom four, unfortunately. And again, I think nobody, to be fair to, to be fair to Angus, who gets his uh, weekly mention, nobody picked Strasbourg to be in the bottom four at this stage of the season. Uh, fine goal by Kevin Camero. Uh, who's capable of that? As, as as we've all seen in over the last decade or so, but Strasbourg fourth from bottom, two points adrift of safety right now. Remember, it's four that drops down into League 2 at the end of this season. So, loss then, as things stand, there three points adrift of Paris Saint Germain. More on them later. But uh, Monaco, Nantes, they were uh, in action. They had been in action in the Coupe de France semi-final a year ago or so. not coming through that one on a penalty shootout. Not coming through a Coupe de France semi-final on Wednesday as well against Lyon. This one was a league game at Le Bourgeois. Big at both ends of the table. Monaco needing the points for the European places. Nantes slightly nervously. Looking over their shoulders at that bottom four, Andy. Uh, just uh, a little, a little quick words on Nantes. Then uh, a really good comeback from them, slightly riding on that momentum of that of that fabulous win against Lyon, where I have to say they were by far the better side, by far the better side. I mean, Lyon were atrocious, yeah. quite frankly, but but Nantes were brilliant. And Ludovic Blas. Well, talking about Ludovic Blas and and summer transfers there's there's an interesting one fabulous goal uh against against leon in midweek and and, and by all accounts he was the main catalyst for for what was a, a a fine comeback from non from from two goals down
4: yeah it was because they in in that game yesterday they were not at the races at all they were two nil down against the monaco team not playing all that well and um Antoine and actually he made six changes from the team that started against leon which is understandable you know he's he's got a big enough squad to do that and, and try and freshen things up but it meant that he left a number of his better players out of the starting lineup including Ludovic Blas and then with about an hour played he sort of threw the dice and um and sent on three substitutes including Blas and also Mustafa Mohamed the Egyptian striker I think he's decent actually he's he's a big physical presence up front certainly for them he's an important player um and the changes worked wonders, you know, the first goal, the, the blast corner for the Mohamed header and then and then blast getting the equalizer. And actually Mustafa Mohamed was unlucky not to score a late well, he did score a, a late goal, which could have been the winner, but he was offside by you know, you're literally talking the length of a big toe. There was nothing in it. Um so a rousing comeback. I mean, you were that Stade de la Bourgeois uh, in midweek and 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 I've been at not a couple of times this season for European games. The atmosphere there can be tremendous on a big night. And it does drive them on, I think. Uh, they are a team with big limitations. You know, if you look at the team at the moment, for example, Pedro Chirivella in midfield is not there. I think he's a, a pretty good player, actually. Um, Nicola Paula was not there yesterday. He's a real fan's favourite in defence. They need these guys. And one of the problems for kumbari is that the cup finals. I mean, I love the Coupe de France, right? But there are two things that I don't quite understand. Um, one is coming from where I come from, playing the semi-finals, not on neutral ground, always seems a little bit odd. I know that's just the way it is here. Because um, by definition, the team playing at home in the semi-final, right, should have an advantage and that's worked for not in the last two years. Another thing is that the cup finals been played at the end of April when the season doesn't finish until early June. So, you know, you don't have this sense of occasion building up to the end of the season. Instead, the, the cup final comes at a crucial point in the league campaign. Not have got couple of big league games to come before the cup final. Uh, they are in the relegation uh, picture. That draw yesterday was very important. It means they're, what, five points above the above the bottom four now. So they've got that little cushion. I think they will probably be okay, but it's not certain. And the thing is that, you know, you, you have to, you want your best team to play in the cup final, but does that mean that players are sort of hesitating going into tackles in the game the week before? They've got a huge game, actually, next weekend, away to an oser team who are possibly in the best form of all the sides, sort of in that, you know, if you look at the bottom of the table, there's three teams now who are cut adrift. And then there's probably four teams fighting to avoid the final place. And not have not won in seven league games. So yeah, they're through to the cup final They've not one in seven league games. Ossera probably in the best form. They play Nantes next weekend. Presumably Ludovic Blas will start that game and they're going to need him. Uh, so it's a huge game for Nantes. And just on Blas, by the way, he nearly joined Lille at the beginning of this season i think he's going to get uh, no disrespect to leal i think he's going to get a very big club in um in 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 the summer transfer window so um good luck to him but hope hopefully he can for not
1: hopefully he can deliver one more piece of silverware before he leaves monaco are rather missing a trick though uh, given given results over the the rest of the rest of the weekend a, a win would have been huge for them and that that throwing away that early lead i mean that is uh, that. That is not a good look. Monaco in, in fourth place on 58 points. Um, interestingly and uh, curiously and, and probably with no real uh, journalistic merit or, or anything else, uh, Tiago Scuro, uh, the new uh, Monaco sporting director at the end of the season, looks remarkably like Tom Williams, friend of the pod. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the uh, the picture in Le Keep, uh, Le Keep yeah, this weekend. Uh, an absolute uh, spinning image. That's Monaco who've who've got their current sporting director, Paul Mitchell, who's going to leave the club at the end of the season um, to appoint a new sporting director to replace him. And he's appointing a Brazilian guy called Thiago Scuro, who uh, worked with, with Mitchell in the Red Bull organization. Uh, Thiago Scuro from uh, at, at Red Bull Bragantino in Brazil right now. And, and uh, Mitchell formerly of RB Leipzig, of course. I say that uh, Monaco missed a trick because Marseille didn't get a win at Lorient. First time in nine away matches. They were going to try and equal the Ligue 1 record for consecutive away wins, but held goalless. And uh, interestingly, Igor Tudor uh, stirring the pot, shall we say, after, just after praising French football in a L'Equipe interview about a, a week or so ago, then saying Lorient didn't want to play and uh, it was a typical uh, match in French football. Angus, I can see you nodding, nodding vigorously. Is that is that is that fair comment?
3: It's a bit rich, isn't it? I mean, uh, you can't on the one hand praise uh, French football and then all of a sudden you uh, deliver a sort of backhanded kind of insult rather than compliment afterwards. I mean, what does he expect Lorient to do? I mean, uh, you know, Lorient came out; they they were exposed, especially down the flanks in the first game between the two sides earlier in the season. And so Regis Labrice decided he was going to uh, correct that and he, he performed a low block. I mean, you do what you can sometimes. I mean, Marseille should are a club who know that teams are going to try and close them down. And so it's up to them to be able to find a way through. You can't dictate what the opposition are going to do. I mean, the, the opposition, Labrice has got his weapons, which aren't that many. I mean, particularly as he lost to uh, Terri Moffy. Um, so the vast majority of their goal threat has kind of disappeared. Uh, We've seen since that time they have um, their best ever start to a top flight season. Has kind of dulled a little bit in the last few weeks or so, Um, but they're still, you know, trying to make sure that they ensure a a top half finish. They're very relieved not to be involved in a relegation scrap. So it seems a little bit harsh that uh, Igor Tudor would try to cover up his own team's inadequacies by blaming the opposition.
1: Also, his his side have got the second best joint second best defensive record. In the in in the division, it's not like you know they they they're going gung ho ho uh, all out on attack. Speaking speaking of not doing that, Angers, but a win, their third of the season, their first in some twenty one games, a one nil win against Lille. Honestly, if you pick this one <laughs> and put a, a decent amount of money on it, you're sitting in the Bahamas right now. I mean, literally, <laughs> that no one. No one picked this. Angers, rock bottom of the table, eleven points before kickoff. Lille had moved into fifth. Now talking about missed opportunities, Andy, Andy, you saw this one. Yeah. I mean, Lille, come on! They played so well. They played so well against Lorient last week, and then they go and lose to Angers. What? What happened? Well, I think it's quite interesting because Paulo Fonseca, the Lille coach, who I'm very impressed by.
4: Um, Said ahead of this game in his pre match press conference, he said, Angers, they're a good team. They're not the worst team in the league. They play really good football. Now, clearly, what he was trying to do there was um not sort of, you know, ensure that his players were not going to be complacent going into the game. It didn't work. They were, they were, they kind of didn't really step up, um step up the pace. They were kind of taking it a little bit too easy. And you always wondered as the, as the clock was ticking down, they could get caught out here. And they did in the, what, 84th minute. Um, so they just I don't know. I think it's been one thing that's happened with Lille this season. They do play really good football. They were missing a couple of their better attacking players actually, including Edon Jegorova, who scored the two late goals last weekend. He was he was injured and I think he's a very useful impact player off the bench. Sort of mini Arian Robin, right, coming in from the right onto his left foot. <laughs> um and also Adamunas, who's who's a very lively wide attacking player for them. So they maybe missed having those options off the bench to make a difference. Um they just didn't show up and I think it's a potentially very damaging result for them and there's been a few games this season in which they've they've struggled to put the ball in the net and um, that's why fans have sometimes criticized them I do think they're one of the the better teams in the division and I think probably on balance they still deserve to qualify for Europe they might still get there but certainly what that result would indicate is that they're certainly not going to finish any higher than fifth um, but you know Angers were eventually going to win a game I think that's you know, surely the case they were eventually going to win. I mean, they're a club with all kinds of problems, Um, you know, an owner with all sorts of legal woes, players who've had legal woes, um, you know, they're onto the third coach of the season, but they were always going to win another game eventually and Lille sadly turned out to be the victim. So there we go. I mean, It's not going to be a result that keeps Angers up, but it could be
1: a result that seriously damages Lille's chances of making Europe. So Lille's Defeat, surprise defeat on Saturday opened the door for Ren on Sunday. They were away at the uh, consistently inconsistent Leon at the Groupama Stadium. Matt Spiro saw this one.
0: Good skills from Barkola. He's lost it though. And Amin Gwiri's in the clear, and Amin Gwiri gives Ren the lead. He won't celebrate against his former team, but it's a brilliant finish from Gwiri. After. Uh, Bradley Barkala had got a little bit carried away, showed some good skills, then lost possession. And wasn't he punished? Goal number 10 in the league this season for Amin Guiri, who has just eased past Diamande. It's not a good challenge from the centre back. Little nutmeg. 1 0 to Red. Taliso, Taliso shot! It's a beauty! Corentin Toliso places one into the top corner and at last Lyon have something to be happy about well that was more like the Toliso of old an absolute laser of a shot from the French World Cup winner he's just placed it beautifully Alamdar can't get across in time Ren one, Lyon one and relief for the Groupama Stadium now Taliafico Blocked by Traore, but uh, you feel the goal's coming unless Wren could do something about this. Now Lacazette at the far post! He's turned it in, and he's onside! A bit of fortune for Lyon, but they have created that fortune in this second half. They have been probing away. Lacazette with his 18th goal this season. Will it count? Will it stand? It's very close. He looks like he's just about in line with uh, Artur Tayat. Well, we'll have to see what VAR decides. Is this goal going to count? And the goal is going to stand. So Lacazette puts Lyon 2-1 up here at the Groupama Stadium. Oh, Lacazette has uh, caused some problems to Tayat. Ryan Scherke now. Scherke running at Tayat, Shirkey still. Good cut back, Barkola. Leon's kids get the job done, and Bradley Barcola, with his fifth league goal this season, makes it Leon three, Ren one. It's quite the turnaround here.
1: Leon then coming from behind a, a fabulous goal actually from I Amin mean, Gweiri to get to get things started. He just still leaves me with a little bit. I just want more from I Amin mean, because he's 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 well capable. Did the whole thing. I'm not going to celebrate against my the club where whose youth academy I came through, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Tolisso, don't know if you saw this goal, gentleman channeling his inner Juninho Pernambucano. I mean, look at the strike. at anyone, if you if you remember Juninho from that fabulous uh, team that won seven successive league titles, the way that he took free kicks, that is exactly the way that Tolisso struck the ball. Great goal uh, from from Corentin Tolisso, Lacazette on the score sheet as well. All, all the golden oldies uh, scoring for Leon. The only thing that surprised me about this now is that Rennes generally have been terrible when conceding the first goal. they picked up 13 points. 13 points under Genesio since con- after conceding the first goal since he took over, only four this season. This time, the, the only team that had done worse, actually, was Leon. actually, they had four. Le- uh, Ren had five. Leon conceded the first goal. Ren scored the first goal. their ego should do pretty well, but don't. Leon come from behind, and I can tell you, Leon were, as I mentioned. Woeful, woeful against Nantes on Wednesday. They were terrible. They had their pretty much first choice team out. Um, Antoine Comboire had made six changes to the starting lineup uh, for, for Nantes on Wednesday, and still, Nantes should have won that one handsomely. Um, Leon, just Leon. I mean, Blanc now, it looks pretty good. One defeat in their last 11. In the table, they're up into seventh place. Five points outside the, the the top five. I mean, gents, what what are we going to do about Leon? Really, and, and what are Leon going to do about Leon Angus?
3: <laughs> well, on, on the plus side, they did score from their first three shots on target at uh, the weekend. But uh, there again, they did all their good work um, in those uh, those moments. So uh, Leon are just a team. I think that um, they are getting better. I, I, I know it looks a little bit sort of like you know terrible, but. They were even worse before Laurent Blanc arrived, so uh, they are at least beginning to get some semblance of direction. Um, but it's just—it's. Let's not forget, Laurent, you know, Laurent Blanc has come into a team that have been struggling for a while. So it's not like it's not like suddenly this season they went to being you know bang average or you know bang average. I mean, in terms of Leon, um, so. It is it, something that is is sometimes I think we expect managers to be able to just come in, wave a magic wand, and everything gets fixed, and it, off, off we go again. Leon have been in trouble because they keep getting rid of their top players. They keep on having to r- construct. Now that's all right if you're a smaller team where you get all of your finance from the uh, the transfer turnover, but Leon are expected to win things, and if you're going to have that same kind of ethos. Then it's going to be very difficult, I think, for you to actually be consistently challenging. So now that they've got this big boss in 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 Laurent Blanc, then maybe they and they also have new backers, of course, in the uh, the club as well. Maybe we will see now a a direction that will be a little bit more positive for them. But I think it's unrealistic to think that it's going to happen within five games or even ten games, even the end the rest of this season. I think we've really got to be looking towards next season now, after a transfer window. To see exactly whether on are serious about coming back to the top of the uh, standings in France.
1: I think, I think there is a certain direction that, that Laurent Blanc has given and that's, that, that's to play Ryan Shirky and, and Bradley Barkela alongside Alexandre Lacazette uh, as much as possible and, and Shirky and, and Barkela uh, combining for a goal. Uh, the weekend again, I, I think Shirky, I mean, everybody's been raving about Shirky for, for quite some time now. Um, oh, and uh, I've, I've just got a little bit of, I've just sat on a squashed, I've I sat down and squashed an orange face from, from from Andy Scott. What? What? What's wrong with Ryan Shirky? You're not convinced? No, said, no, no, no there's, there's, there's
4: there's nothing wrong with Ryan Shirky, but I'm not sure that he's, he's not, he's maybe not, I don't know how, he's, is he consistent enough? Is he going to be consistent enough? I think he's got huge room for improvement yet, but... Um, not been you know, I always feel like he could do more, Ryan Scherke. And I think Bradley Barcola has been more striking, the impact he's made in the last few months. Uh, you're right. I mean, they have, they still have good young players. They still, they still have, I, I think Lyon's problem is more of a cultural problem around the club. I think uh, the individual players they have are good players. I think Laurent Blanc, you know, he's got a wonderful record as a coach. They might yet qualify for Europe despite everything that we're saying. But I think, um. The problems run much deeper, you know, and and um, let's see what happens over the summer with going be John Texter's first summer with the club in his hands, and and let's see how that dynamic works with Jean Michel Olas effectively his employee now as the president, and and how they get on with. It. I think football at top level is is all about really fine margins, you know, and and when you've got enough clubs in a league who are well run, who who do things the right way you need to be on the same level as them to be able to compete. You know, you need to be signing the right players. You need to be you need to be doing the right things on and off the pitch and the dynamic needs to be right. And if not, you're going to slip away and, and Leong have been off the pace for, for too long. It does make you wonder, can they get back there? And of course, the thing is, Cherky, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, all the rest of it, but he might not be there next season. PSG have been interested in him and, and other clubs might be keen. And if they're not in Europe, they might have to accept an, an offer for him. So...
1: It might be a while before Leon are back to what they were. Yeah, he's an interesting little warning for for Bradley Barkley. He's been involved in five goals in his last four league games. Fabulous three goals, two assists. He's the youngest player to reach five goals in a league campaign since Usum Awa. Mm-hmm. Mm. Came off the bench in midweek. Didn't look happy. Looks to be possibly on his way out, but we're not talking about the Arsenal that we were talking about maybe uh, four or five seasons ago when he looked uh, like a, a really fabulous player. Uh, just a, a quick one on quick one on Wren. Now we mentioned that that uh, <laughs> we mentioned that Lance um, may not be may, may not be the most uh, attacking side. They don't have attacking stars. They've scored fifty goals. Wren with Guiri, Kalimuendo, Doku, Akambi, Okay, uh, Terry is injured i scored 48.
3: I mean, they, they are significantly underperforming, aren't they? Well, I think they would have scored a lot more had Martin Terrier still been uh, fit because he was very much the, uh, the fulcrum of that attack, bringing everybody else into it. And I think of all of the injuries that have happened in league 1 this season in terms of attack, I think he's been the biggest one, I think, to have, uh, to have uh, been injured because it's completely changed Wren's threat coming forward um and sometimes i mean you, we'll probably come to this as well when we get to paris saint-germain as well is that you know when when a team has all of their stars fit then you can have the kind of demands on that team that uh, to perform but when you lose one maybe two um maybe even three of those first starters and then you still it's i think it's unrealistic to have the same expectations of performance on a team um and I find it sometimes a bit unfair. The media, they they go after them and say they're not performing. There's no excuse. And you're like, well, actually, there are quite a few excuses why they're not playing the way they were. And I think with Wren, I think that Martin Terrio is by far their most important player. And without him, they can't be the same side. It's as simple as that for me.
1: That's pretty much the top end of the table dealt with. Apart from... A certain Nice Paris Saint Germain game, which we will round off this week's podcast. At the bottom of the table, big, big win in in, in many different senses of the word for Auxerre. Couldn't have gone better for them. at you <laughs> up two nil up inside the first six minutes, three nil up thanks to an own goal as well, which is a very generous of the Corsican hosts uh, before half time. Auxerre. Out of the drop zone, back to back wins, four wins in their last seven. As Andy mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of momentum there for for uh, Christophe Policier's side, and uh, a big smile on the face of uh, pod panel member Angus
3: Toird today, uh, former former also resident. Yeah, indeed, a third of their points have come in the last six games. It's been a magnificent comeback. It's been it's been really nice to <laughs> see. Angus. I'll try to stop smiling. Angus, how
4: do you feel about the fact that the it's basically it might be between the, the club of your heart, Osser, and Strasbourg, the team who you tipped to
3: finish in the top three? To... Oh, that's not, that's not, no, it's not even, it's not even, I don't care. Osser stay up. That's, that's it's, a, it's as simple as that. My pride doesn't come, it comes a very poor second <laughs> to Osser staying in the big time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, also, also staying up are going to be Montpellier, though they suffered the a first loss on the Michel Desacary, after a run of, of seven without defeat since Desac returned to the stands at de, de, de la Marcon. the victors Toulouse, who will also be in that Coupe de France final. Angus, you saw Toulouse in midweek at, at Annecy with the beautiful backdrop of the of the Alps. Um,
3: you're you're impressed. Well, I've been impressed with Toulouse all season. Really, I mean they've made a really really good. Uh, reappearance in the top flight led by their Dutch contingent, and you could even extend that to their lowland contingent if you include their captain as well. So, they, they, they're they a really good team to, to attack, and they're unashamed in the way they do that as well. They know that they have limitations in defense, but they've decided that they, their squad is strong in attack, maybe not so quite so strong in defense. So, they've played to their strengths. And they have been—they've uh, been really, really good. I mean, I mean, Farishebe got the um, uh, the winner uh, against Annecy right at the end of the game. Annecy then had a goal ruled out right at the end of the game—a magnificent volley from outside the area that was ruled out for millimeters. Which so the Annecy—you could literally feel all the Alpine air being sucked out of the stadium at the end of that one. But Toulouse still deserved um, that that victory. And uh, it meant that um, we didn't have a ninth team from the lower divisions making it through to the final since 2000. Um, but we've still got Toulouse going through. And it's been, a, well, it's been, I think it's been a, a season that they will remember. Now all they've got to do is overcome Nantes. So, but I can see that happening, to be honest with you, in a one-off game.
1: So Toulouse for 2-1 victors at Montpellier. A couple of young players to mention. Uh, Elia Wahi, who we've talked about a lot, getting north for Montpellier. Faris Shaibi. I don't think we've talked about on the podcast uh, so far. Five goals and four assists for him now. Uh, both players exceptionally young. Uh, Shaybi you turning twenty just in November. Leon Bourne, what is what is it in the water in Leon? Toi could use some of that. They are in big big trouble. Patrick Kisnorbo's side, even. Uh, the uh, Trois coach himself, the Australian, admitting it's going to be very, very difficult for his side to stay up now. Five points adrift of Strasbourg in 17th, seven points adrift of Brest in, uh, in this relative safety of 16th after Trois were beaten. And uh, interesting, I thought most interesting and probably most worrying for Trois fans is that after that 2-0 defeat uh, to, to, to Clermont was that Adil Rami came out in his post-match interview and said, well, I I don't really mind. I don't really care. My career's done, which is to be fair, it, it, it is. He's won Ligue 1. He's won the World Cup. I'm not quite sure what else. Uh, what else you do need to win? But he said, "I'd look around and I, I see players who don't want to don't want to fight to stay up." That that has got to be very very worrying for Kisnobo and for for Trois fans. Brest still in a, a little bit of danger. Then, as as we said. Two points above the drop zone. I suppose a lot, a lot of danger now, especially with uh, with Ose in in such good form. But they did get uh, a point at the weekend at Reims, a very good point as well. And they would have had all three early: Pierre Lecamelu goal. But that man again, following Balogun with his 18th league goal of the season, the best tally for an English player in a single campaign in the last 75 years, tied with anyone, tied with. Monaco's Glenn Hoddle, former England manager.
3: By the way, Ian, um, one thing I I wanted to debate uh, in the podcast was whether 40 points would be enough to stay up this season, bearing in mind that um, four teams are going down this season. But Claremore have now reached 40 points. And when you look at the gap between them now and Strasbourg, which is 14 points, it looks as though actually 40 points is still going to be enough to keep you in the division, which I must admit I'm a little surprised about.
1: I think it's going to be. I think it looks like Mm. it's easily going to be an offer. Clermont in eleventh on forty to lose thirty eight, in twelfth Montpellier thirty seven, in thirteenth. But it's really that gap, isn't it? Mm. I mean, to me, it looks like uh, Andy mentioned earlier Nantes in fourteenth on thirty one points. They're five points clear of Strasbourg. It's very, very difficult to see even Strasbourg making up a five point deficit. On Nantes over the of the closing eight games, and then when you've got Troyes, who are the next best placed team in 18th on 21 points, a full 10 points behind Nantes. Uh, to me, it, it now it's now really a six horse race. Well, it's not really a six horse race; it's a five horse race, uh, and maybe not even that because Angers Angers are down, uh, even though not mathematically. Troyes and Ajaxio, I have to say, I'm writing them off as well. Seven points of drift of safety right now. So really, for me, it's between auxerre brest and strasbourg uh, for the drop they are separated by, by just 3 points i think that could that's a swing that i could that i could take
3: they don't think the angers comeback has started then <laughs>
1: <Definitively>, definitely not <laughs> i'm willing to stick my neck out and say okay. absolutely not talking of comebacks it was a tough one for Christophe Galtier, and uh, maybe not one we're going to get into, but a particularly a particularly virulent one for Christophe Galtier as he returned to the Allianz Riviera on uh, on Saturday evening. The former Nice coach uh, got a real battering, and uh, and uh, well, not particularly savoury incidents as well. It has to be said, not particularly savoury insults, uh, if there is ever such a thing, for Christophe Galtier but his side came through just about unscathed against Didier Degas' niece. Matt Spiro saw this one.
0: Nuno Mendes with the cross. Nuno Mendes again. Messi! PSG do take the lead and Lionel Messi ends his uh, mini goal drought. But he got a second bite. Nuno Mendes, and he made it count, didn't he? Picking out Messi, who just found a pocket of space in the middle of four Nice defenders, and he doesn't miss from there. The cross is a dangerous one, they're queuing up here. Mbappe! Well, it has gone just over from Dante. Mbappe close to making it to Messi's ball, the header out, and it is 2-0 to Paris Saint-Germain, thanks to Sergio Ramos. It's a really, really big goal for the Parisians who have been under pressure for much of this game. But they now lead 2 0. And uh, they look like they're going to stretch six points clear once again at the top.
1: The Paris winning after back to back defeats. That was a huge, that was a huge win for them. Loss were three points, three points behind them after Friday's, Friday's win. The lead again is six points. Andy, you mentioned earlier you don't think the title race is uh, is still on. Was 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 that the the nail in the title race coffin? If title <laughs> races do indeed have Christian burials,
4: um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was. I mean, the thing is that I think even if they'd lost that game, and even if they'd also lost against Lens at the weekend, and their their lead had been Wiped out. I still think they would win the league because the 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 seven games they've got after next weekend are very very easy for them, really. Um, So I don't think it was. I don't. For me, I don't think it was. There's ever really been much doubt that they were going to win the league. But that was obviously a tough test. I mean, there was lots of reports during the week that Christophe Galti effectively had or has two games in which to save his job. In other words, that would imply that perhaps even beating Nice. Well, if they lose to Lance at the weekend, that you know, even that might not be enough. Um, that might be the the nail in the coffin for his job if his job has a coffin. So, I think that it, you know, I th- listen. the The gulf between them and everybody else is is so enormous that I th- I think that they they still have you know they have big big time players, goes without saying, and I think that there are certain games that are absolutely big enough for them to show up in. So the Marseille game at the end of February was one. And I think this one um, fits into that category. A Nice team who hadn't lost at all under Didier Degar. Um, PSG go there and they just, they just I mean, they didn't swap them aside. It wasn't easy for them. You mentioned before Gianluigi Donnarumma made some really big saves. Nice hit the woodwork of that, that danchy shot, which came off the crossbar and, and somehow didn't go in. That was unbelievable. So they got a couple of breaks their way, um, but they did enough to win the game. And and yeah, it does for me, it does end any real doubt about it. I just think that they're going to win the league. I said this the last time I was on, they're going to win the league with two or three games to spare. And and for all that's been going wrong at PSG, the malaise is, is deep and profound, but they're still going to win the league. And that confirmed it for me at the weekend.
3: Yeah, I I, I I have to say I, I feel like I'm going to go off on a Matt Spiro type coup de girl in a minute because I've been mean, reading all the stuff that's been surrounding Christophe Geltier. I've commentated the game for PSG TV um, over the weekend. And I, I just find it strange that um, in this season of all seasons, um, when you consider the World Cup was in the middle of it, you had several Paris Saint-Germain stars go very deep into the uh, the Qatar tournament. Uh, and it's not surprising, perhaps they've they've uh, they've just struggled to get back to that kind of, you know, form high form again afterwards. But I, I don't really understand why um, Christoph Galtier has been taking all of this on his own. I mean, they keep on getting rid of coaches with regularity, not giving them anything like the two or three um, transfer windows that a side needs, to, that a, a coach needs to really impose himself on on a team and then they expect this lack of stability to, to go almost as if it doesn't matter because they are so much better than everybody else. I mean, this year was, if you had, um, the, um, at the beginning of the season, they were fantastic in because they had all of their stars very much up for it because they were all getting ready for the world cup. Neymar has disappeared. And when you consider that he's been responsible for over 20 odd goals um, before he got injured and is now out for the rest of the season. Presnel Kimpembe got injured. They had several centre-backs get injured, which doesn't happen very often. I, I think it's just a bit, a bit rich to just lay it squarely at the feet of Galtier.
4: Uh, just, just to come back on that, Angus, I think um, to an extent, of course, you're correct. I agree with you. But sometimes some of the injuries they've been having, to me, has raised questions about the conditioning of the players. I don't know. It might just be bad luck. Um, And the other thing is that ultimately he's been chopping and changing systems. He's not been able to get the right system in place at all this season. Now, I I think that one of the main reasons for that is because they didn't sign the players they needed to sign last summer. But I, I just think the coach has to take some of the responsibility. There is no rhyme or reason in top level football these days. I mean, you look at what Chelsea keep doing, sacking managers. And then, I mean, who knows, they might win the Champions League under Frank Lampard, right? So, Crazy things happen in football. Uh, managers get sacked when they seemingly don't deserve it. I think there is a case to be made, and not saying I would agree with it, but there is a case to be made that they could change the coach now. Um, I don't think there's any need to, because I think they will win the league, and then I think they probably will change coach in the summer. But I think PSG's problems stem from uh, from elsewhere. You know, ultimately, it's about it's about it's about exactly. signing, it's about yeah. signing. The right players, and the problem they have is the enormous wages that they pay to players. They then can't get rid of mm. them, and so they're in this perpetual situation of trying to move players on, bring new players in. The reality is that they did not do things right in the transfer window last year because they are they are demonstrably a weaker team, and one example is 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 Renato Sanchez, who is you know who is a potentially brilliant footballer once again, he came off inside ten minutes at the weekend. It's not the first time. When, since he's been at PSG, when he's he's started a game and had to come off, he's not played 90 minutes at all for PSG this season. The the bottom line is that they 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 made a mess of the transfer window, and Luis Campos, the football advisor, admitted that in September in a radio interview. So they they know this, and I think you know, broadly speaking, I agree with you. I just think that the manager has to take some responsibility. And unfortunately, perhaps where he's come from and, and his background in football means that some PSG fans were never going to take to him all that kindly anyway. So I think for him, seeing out the season, winning the league, great, and then maybe maybe they, they, they,
3: they part ways. Although that's not definite yet, I don't think. Well, I definitely agree with you on the some responsibilities. I'm not saying none of it's um, Christophe Gaultier's fault. I mean, Kylian Mbappe came out with um, criticism. He didn't name Luis Campos, but it was certainly the implication was there. And he said Campos did admit to it but um i think that the changes in their formations also have been forced by the fact that they they've also had injuries which have meant that they've had to change those formations as well um i i i think the, the big thing there is is not so much the tactical now sort of uh marseille born Cal- Galtier, i think is what you were alluding <laughs> yeah. to just a moment ago but um but to the fact that uh like you say they didn't they didn't bring in the right signings at the beginning of the season with regards to their defensive structure. And because they have thrown so much money at a few stars, they have salary cap issues as well, which means that the type of player that you can bring in, they are restricted in because of the fact that they've already had trouble with um, salary cap investigations. So they're they're on a hiding to nothing in a sense from that point of view, but that's also something they've done Which, themselves. And I,
4: sorry, I know Ian wants to probably sort of move the discussion along just a little bit, but it does it does bring us round to the messy situation. His contract is up at the end of the season. There was a period in time, obviously, where it seemed he was where PSG wanted him to stay. Now the, the the briefing is that they they don't really want him to stay, and 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 I think they need to move on from Messi uh, because for exactly what you say, it would. Free up funds to spend on other parts of the team and that would be a sensible thing to do. Now you can debate, we will debate another time whether Messi's time at PSG has been a success because it's not just about what happens on the pitch but I think it would be sensible for them to move on from Messi and
1: use that money to strengthen other parts of the team. It's interesting that, that Messi did not take part in the season ticket renewal <laughs> promotional video <laughs> Last week, now Messi seven goals and four assists in 2023. So his form has not really uh, dropped off since the World Cup. Kylian and certainly dropped off on on Saturday night. He he did. it came out afterwards that he'd been struggling with a hip injury. Maybe he shouldn't even have played. But the bigger the bigger uh, conundrum the bigger the bigger question and controversy was was earlier in the week when PSG released this promotional video for next season's season ticket renewals. And it was very much focused on Kylian Mbappe. He said he came out afterwards, criticised the club in an Instagram post, saying it's not Killian Mbappe. Sorry, it's not Kylian Paris Saint-Germain, but is it, guys? Paris Saint-Gembappe? God, that was tortured, wasn't it? But <laughs> uh, well,
4: I think this is. A, I think this is. A, again, it's a, it's a discussion that goes beyond there's lots of different facets to it right um you could you, you can look at it in lots of different ways why is mbappe said this and one one cynical one cynical take on it is that maybe he doesn't want to give the impression that he will definitely be at psg next season right
1: so i'm not sure that's, that's cynical andy okay i think that's probably that's, fairly logical yeah that's that's
4: it. one way of looking at it it's not the only way of looking at it mbappe has also um it's important to point out if anybody's not aware of this he's he's also had um Disagreements with the French Football Federation over the use of his image rights. This season, he refused to take part in a, in a France team photo shoot before uh, Nations League matches last September because, ostensibly, because he didn't agree with the um, with the with the brand who they were promoting. Uh, I believe so. That led to a renegotiation of of the of the image rights um, with the France team. So this is this is something he holds close to his heart. He is, I mean, is the ultimate example of player power. Um, Killing Mbappe, so it's it's part of a wider um, friction that's going on, but yeah, it's one way of looking at it. But from a PSG point of view, you know, I I we don't know what happened internally, but you can understand why they would put Mbappe front and center of a campaign to renew season tickets, right? And that can be a completely innocent thing. You know, you can look at it and just say, well, Neymar's not fit at the moment. You know, um, Messi's probably not going to be here, so we're going to use Mbappe to promote it, and and. I think it's. I think it's very interesting, and I think it says a lot about tensions that may well be going on within the club as well. And and this kind of, there might even be a fear at PSG that that they, they're going to lose him. But well, they will lose him eventually. I think. I think. I just think
1: that it's it's indicative of of how deep the problems run at the club. I mean, I watched the video though, and I, I didn't feel it was over the top. I mean, uh, you, you you saw you saw Nuna Mendes, you saw. Uh, Warren Zayi Emery, so some other young people, uh, some other young players, some youth academy people, and Mbappe. He is the star. He is the one who wanted the responsibility. He's the France captain. Yeah,
3: he's the France captain. I mean, he's one of the world, the world's leading players. And he's what? He's the Paris Saint Germain vice captain as well, which he negotiated when he he signed on again at the beginning of the season. He's paid what? Is it six million? A month or something like that? It was something ridiculous that he gets paid. So, I mean, you can hardly really blame... You can blame Paris Saint-Germain for a lot of things in life, but I think that them using their biggest star in their cam- publicity campaign, when you are already paying him a... Ma- he's he's the richest sports star in the world, according to some reports, uh, in terms of what he earns. So I think it's 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 fair enough that they want to use his his image... In what they're doing, and I don't think it, I I agree with what Andy said about uh, the French team, but I don't think this is the same kind of example um, because it, it, there's there's no sort of like branding or something like that as such that he's not already part of with the club. No, so, but he
4: but he did he did say he did say didn't he that um, I think he said in his Instagram message, if I'm not mistaken, he he referred to he said this is why I fight for
3: control of my image rights. Right, so it falls into yeah. the same. But it, but he's got a contract with um, it's a different kind of contract, isn't it? When he plays for France, you know he is an employee of Paris Saint Germain. So, but he's not an empl- He's yeah. not he's not any
4: old employee. And I think he's also, not any old employee. No, I, th- I think also. I mean, you mentioned he's the vice captain. I mean, that would raise the question. Well, what about the captain? Why was Marquinhos uh, not using the video? Anyway, I I I think you know it's faintly ridiculous in some respects. But these, but it is indicative of 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 potentially a lot of things um, so you know it it, it it doesn't it doesn't augur all that well i don't think for psg
1: time to move on chaps to our winner of the deja who competition for march we managed to maintain the suspense for an extra week but it's now time to reveal the big winner the uh, the answers to uh, march's questions were zumana camera now uh, involved in the PSG's uh, youth setup Tiamue bakayoko julien faubert if anybody remembers him for anything it is the their reaction when he it was announced that he was moving from west ham to real madrid <laughs> jonathan Zabina, very 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 good defender and how on earth did he like all the others win just one international cap for france well done to Pablo de Guestin, who is the winner for March. Well done, Pablo. And we'll be uh, winging you a Ligan 1 Uber Eats jersey uh, very soon indeed. Get in touch with us to uh, send us your contact details. So it's time now for the April Deja Who quiz. The first clue is this. Who am I? In an illustrious 19-year career, I played in Italy, Spain, England and France, winning Serie A, La Ligue and the Champions League twice. I played 57 times for my country, scoring four goals, but was overlooked by my national team coach for what turned out to be the crowning moment for my generation on the world stage. Who am I and who did I play for in Ligue 1? If you know... Or if you think you know, which is uh, probably more the case, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. So, chaps, we've done the uh, rounds of the weekend's action. It's now time to look ahead to round 31. We're going to take a little bon voyage. So next week's fixtures, just a, a little flavour of them. Toulouse-Lyon, that's uh, a Coupe de France semi-final victor against a Coupe de France semi-final vanquished. Stade, Stade René against Stade de Reims, that one uh, looks pretty tasty. And a certain match at the Parc des Princes between Paris Saint-Germain and Lens. Lille-Montpellier-Auxerre-Nantes, a big one at the bottom of the table, that one. Brest against Nice, the pierre lys Meluiku, I think we could perhaps uh, talk, to name that one. Clermont-Foot against uh, Angers, Strasbourg, Ajaccio, Monaco, Lorient. And then to uh, wrap things up, Marseille
3: against Troubled Trois. Gentlemen? Well, um, I guess there's only one place to go, isn't there? That's the uh, the Parc des Princes. Donna Mura will be up against uh, Lens. And... Uh... I think that
1: I thought you were going to go for I guess. That when you said there was only one place to go, clearly that should be Osé.
3: Well, that 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 that. Uh, well, um, yes, but uh, they're they're on different days, so I could go to both. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, it's the top of the table one, and despite us saying that, um, you know, Paris Saint-Germain are going to win this title. Blah 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 blah. It would make it a little more interesting, wouldn't it, if Lons were able to to beat them and set up a little bit of nerves jangling towards the end of the season. Maybe we have a, a, another incredible comeback. Lance would love to do what Lille did, bearing in mind their Northern Derby rivals, and be able to uh, stop them looking at them with smug smiles uh, from across the Northern Derby way. But uh, yeah, I think that could, that, that could be a cracking game as well
4: there. I think it's the biggest biggest sort of game at this stage of the season at the Parc des Princes in a, in a domestic um, context in, in a long time, because... Uh, a couple of years ago, PSG had these big matches in the run-in when they lost out on the title to Lille. But, of course, with no fans in the stadium, this time the atmosphere is going to be potentially electric. So I think it should be an absolute cracker. I do think that the two games on Saturday are really interesting, actually, because I think Rennes against Rennes is, is one worth following. Um, a Rennes team who have, as we discussed, sort of slumped quite badly, really need the result in the, in the push for Europe, playing a Rennes team who, has, uh, as you mentioned before, is it one defeat in 22 now? Um, after that late equalizer at the weekend and I mean if they were to win that game, then you know, maybe maybe qualifying for Europe it really is a, a real possibility for Will Stillside. So I think that's one that's worth following as well. And of course, as we say pretty much every time, a trip to Rennes is um is always fun. But I I think um one thing that we should touch on, Ian, that we didn't mention is is Nice, of course, who who are the one last French team still involved in Europe, right? And they lost that game at the weekend, but they've got that Europa Conference League quarter-final coming up against Basel, so um, if I can be a bit left-field, then on Thursday, I will take the train uh, down to Basel, because you can get there on the train, direct from Paris to, to, to Basel, which is down there on the border with Switzerland and France, and it's a lovely city. We've been there together before. Uh, great stadium, saint Jakob Park. Very romantic. And uh, <laughs> and and that will be a, a great game, and a bigger occasion. I mean, I know it's only, only the Europa Conference League, but it's it's a big occasion for Nice to be in a European quarterfinal and they're representing the fly in the flag for France.
3: So that's that's where I'll be going. And let's not forget that it was Christophe Galtier that put them into that European. Uh, as he said, uh, run as it is.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a very very good point, and and a good one to round off this week's pod. On my thanks to to Angus Toird and Andy Scott. We'll be back next week. Uh, except I won't be. Definitely, there will be a mystery host next week to talk about everything French football and let's see if uh, Andy's changed his mind about that title race being on depending on how Lance fair at the Parc de France they could lose and then PSG will be nine points clear and then we'll be we'll all be uh, set for an 11th a record
3: 11th Ligue 1 Uber Eats title for Paris Saint-Germain. Angus, just a quick one. I was wondering whether we should start a Deja Vu for podcast presenters and uh, see whether or not they could get that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there will be another Deja vu, but not not based on the podcast presenters uh, our second April clue for that uh, Ligue 1 Uber Eats jersey all that and more on the official Ligue and Uber Eats podcast in English Le Beaujeu. we'll see you next week bye for now bye, bye. Right. opportunity
0: Sanchez outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta it's again and Domburg Messi again this time maybe Messi's done it